The Queen's Jewish Link presents the Jewish Living Podcast, the show that examines the many facets of Orthodox Jewish life. Here's your host, Izzo Zwerin. Well, we've held out for a year now, but I'm extremely excited to have on this week's guest. Why? Because this is the first time we get to have a guest on the program who was part of the original brain trust for the Jewish Living Podcast. But our guest this week is so much more than that. Hi, everyone. I'm Yaniv Meira from Chazak. Rabbi Meirov and I will discuss the history, present, and future of the Chazak organization and all of the important work they do. And for the first time on this podcast, our Dabar Acher segment features a Devar Torah. Thank you so much, Rabbi Meirov. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It's a pleasure to have you on. I've known you for... Uh, a little bit over a year now. You're actually very instrumental in the launch of this podcast. So thank you so much for finally joining me as a guest. It is my honor and privilege. Thank you, Izzo. It's a privilege. All right. So before we get into uh, Chazak, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit of your history, and maybe how you got into working uh, with Chazak organization. Oh, so uh, a little bit about myself. So uh, it was all when I was about uh, 13, 14 years old, bar mitzvah, more or less. I would walk around my neighborhood in Forest Hills Regal Park, and I would see so many teenagers and children and individuals that didn't have uh, meaning and purpose, and they were doing the wrong things with crime and drugs. And I felt like there needs to be done something. Something needs to be done. And, uh, and uh, that, that, that's, how, uh, that's more or less how the organization started. By, uh, by when I was 15, I, we, we had a Parsha paper, a newsletter that we will give out for, to shuls, to pizzerias, to restaurants, to stores here, there, and everywhere. And uh, people were giving us amazing feedback. And we saw that there was a thirst for the truth, a thirst for Torah. And uh, that uh, after 50 weeks of a news, newsletter of the Parsha paper, we, we decided we we're going to organize a small shear, a small lecture, uh, expecting a dozen, two dozen people. And uh, to everyone's shock and, and disbelief, we had over 500 people at our wow. first event. Yeah. So, so we saw Do that you there remember was a, what that first event was? Uh, more or less. Uh, it was about 15 years ago. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a night of inspiration and unity. We, we promoted it all over the place. And again, we didn't know what to expect. And, uh, and, and then we saw that there was a huge amount of, uh, of want and interest. And, uh, and, and again, we weren't expecting to start an organization. It just happened because of the interest from the community. And mm. from this year, we started a learning program to a library, to a teens division, to Sunday schools, to after-school programs, to yeshiva placement, to women's division. It just goes on and on and on. Wow, that's phenomenal. So there's a lot that Chazak does. Now, I know Chazak because of the shiurim that they offer, that you offer to the community. And it's not just the community that you live in. Uh, you're in Queens. Uh, you go all around the New York metropolitan area. Is that correct? That is 100% correct. So we started in Queens. That's why Izzo Chazak is spelled with a Q. Chazak with a Q, strengthening Queens. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, why everyone thinks, oh, Chazak with a Q. It must be some Sephardi thing. No, it's uh, just a, you know, a cute thing that we did. And uh, it started in Queens and gradually expanding across the globe. Baruch Hashem, thank God, uh, we have Shiurim obviously pre-COVID in communities over Queens, Five Tents, Rockwood, Green Egg, Bar Park, Flatbush, Muncie, Lakewood. We have uh, in uh, in uh, 
a branch in Canada for Sunday schools. We have after-school programs in Arizona, and uh, we're looking to expand more and more and more. So let me talk to you a little bit about where the organization was headed, and let's go up until February 2020, and then we'll get into uh, March 2020. So you were growing. It's 15 years ago, uh, 2005, I'm assuming, and you're growing and you're gaining a, a little bit of a following and, and donors, who are the types of people that you're serving? You, you, you went through it a little bit uh, when, when you were trying to help out different communities, but more specifically, who's your target audience? Beautiful question, Izzo. So uh, we mentioned the Shiram, the lectures, which is really the cherry on the top for the Chazak organization. Our main mission and goal right now is to save and to help and to guide the over 10,000 Jewish kids that unfortunately go to the public school systems and have no connection to Judaism, to Yiddishkeit. And what we do at Chazak is we have after-school programs. That means they go to public school. After school, they come to our different programs that we have in many different communities. And we teach them the basics of Judaism. We obviously give them food. We give them some entertainment. We give them some fun. We take, take them on trips. And then we have uh, Sunday school programs that we have a teens division for boys. We have a teens division for girls. And then we have on our headquarters in Jewel Avenue, our yeshiva placement division, where we have coordinators, we have uh, caseworkers, we have secretaries reaching out to parents with kids in public schools. We explain to them the importance of a Jewish education. And Baruch Hashem, Izzo, this week we actually had a milestone. We hit the 900 mark which is 907 to be exact, from when we started the No Child Left Behind program, which was about four years ago. We had 907 kids from public schools and were transferred into Yeshiva's bar. That's phenomenal. That wow, just un- last week. Just this past week, yeah. Wow, that's, that's amazing. It's, that's phenomenal work. Now, there are a lot of organizations, uh, not a lot, I shouldn't say that. There are other organizations that, that do that type of key of work, that type of placement work. Um, what if anything, sets Chazak apart from them. So I'll tell you the difference with uh, Chazak and everywhere else in the world, before I understand, I spoke to a lot of Gedol Israel, big rabbis, and many Askanim community leaders, activists, and uh, they told me that it's really one of a kind. Why? Because the community that uh, we're focusing on in Queens, that most of the kids are Bukharian background. Now, Bukharians, I don't know if you know them, they're very, very uh, traditional. I'm Bukharian myself. And uh, they mean well, and they just don't know any better. They're not against Yiddishkeit. They're not against Judaism. So they just put their kids into public schools because, again, they want to teach them, uh, you know, they want them to, to go to a good college and have good work. But uh, when, when, when we reach out to them and we explain to them the importance of Jewish education, they're not against it. It's not like you're dealing with an individual that's an atheist or, or had bad experiences or... Or, or has all these different isms and stuff like that. These are individuals that are good-hearted. They mean well, just that they were, they were ripped apart from their, from their Judaism, from the old country. So when we give them some chizek, some inspiration, we give them some love, we give them some uh, a story here and there, we see that their whole life is being changed. And that's actually a, an amazing thing that happened to my parents. My parents were traditional as well. And uh, what happened was that... Uh, when my mother, gotcha, bless her, she was looking for a school for my two older brothers, Shlomo and Rabbi Elon. Uh, she went to a certain school, and uh, she went there, and it, and uh, and basically uh, the rabbi interviewed them, and uh, and the rabbi's like, "Listen, um, your kids, it's not going to work out over here." 
and mm-hmm. she's and she starts crying and the rabbi's like why are you crying she's like oh because I, I i really want my kids to see to see rabbis i want them to go to yeshiva and the rabbi starts seeing how determined my mother was and the principal said they're not accepted they don't know yiddish it was a school in farsa it was called or israel it doesn't exist anymore they don't know yiddish so uh, you know, I learned a little bit of Yiddish because I'm taught the Lebed and the Field and Feig and the from Pesach and Abyssal Shtikl. Now I have some Hasidish friends, God bless. So, anyways, uh, the Manal said that it doesn't fit. My brothers went there with the cardboard kippah, the plastic ones. They were all very, very religious over there. And the the Rosh Hashiva Rabbi Geltzer is that uh, uh, he was a very big tzaddik, and he said he tapped his hands on the table. What I understand, and he said, no, no, I'm going to take them in. He got them tutors, and they uh, helped him learn Yiddish, and they helped him fit into the classrooms. And when they would come home, they would tell Abba, Shabbat, Ima, Kashrut, Sniut. You know, they would bring Torah home. And that's how my family, Baruch Hashem, Chazay Hashem, became religious. Mm-hmm. The children brought back the parents. Actually, Rabbi Pesach Kron wrote this story in his recent Haggadah. And uh, how uh, Baruch Hashem today, my brother Rabbi Elon and Shlomo in his own right, uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, they're involved with the community and uh, we're involved with getting more kids from public schools and into yeshivas and mitzvah Hashem. So so, so, again, what makes Chazak difference is the fact that we're dealing with Tumimistic children, traditional families, good people that, uh, that, again, they, they, they just don't know any better. So it's really easy. It's very easy to bring them back. So a couple of things. So first of all, Uh, I don't know how many brothers you have, but I actually went to high school with a younger brother of yours. Really? Yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, you went to was a few, I went to Yisode. He was a few years younger Yisode. than me. Uh, oh, wow. A few years younger than me in Yisode. Um, Look at that. So that okay. was one. The other thing is that... That's a third brother. That's a third brother. And I'm the fourth brother. And then there's a fifth brother, Arya. <laughs> okay. And Five like, boys. Wow. That, all right. We got the whole mayor of family. The whole inside school. <laughs> I, I didn't know you went to Yisoda. I also yes. went to Yisoda. That's where Chazak started in a sense, because when I was at 15, that was in 10th grade. So uh, during recess and during all this other stuff, I would <laughs> I would run to the computer room or to the, the, the place and do the partial papers and stuff. So, yeah. So the other thing is that you might not, you, I don't think you know this at all, but uh, I've mentioned this before, so our listeners might. I uh, have a degree in education. And this part, nobody knows. I did my student teaching in Forest Hills High School. Half of my students were Bukharian. Wow. At that school. Um, There's uh, over a thousand Bukharian kids in that school. Wow. That's, that's amazing. A thousand Jewish kids. Because the school has, I think, 4,000 students. It's 25%. 25% Jewish. Yeah. I actually heard different statistics that it's 1,200, 1,400, 1,500. Wow. But it's an enormous amount of Jewish yeah. kids there. That, yep. Anyway, that was a previous career of mine. I'm not there. I'm not there anymore. Oh, but wow. I do remember that there was there was a lot of Bukharian children. So all those history. kids, not all, but many of those kids after school come to our programs. Yeah. And uh, another big announcement, and we're going to announce it on, on your show right now, is the fact that they would come a block away to Bet Gavriel. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember that show next to yep. the Central Queens Y. So we had the teens division over there for boys and the girls. But it was getting complicated with the girls' division being in the building because there's a boys' high school on the third floor. There's Minyanim. There's a Kolal. There's a lot going on in that building. But Baruch Hashem, this week, Chaz Hashem, thanks to certain donors, 
uh, from the Williamsburg community, God bless them. They got us next door to Beth Gavrio. They're renting out the Queens Jewish Center and they built a beautiful girls' teens lounge. Wow. With, with amazing with ping pong tables and and uh, and air hockey and all these amenities and fun activities. And they actually had the, the grand opening. Over 100 public school uh, girls came to that. And uh, it's going to be a new massive revolution going on. I will also tell you that that is where I attended my first Chazak event. Really? Um, back, I want to say 2008 or 9. Rabbi David Orlovsky. Okay. Yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was freshly back from Israel. He was my idol when I was in Israel. And then he, and then he came back uh, to America. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see him. It was, it was phenomenal. That was my Look first Chazak event. I yes. didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I'm telling you all this information about, about me that you didn't know. Okay. Um, okay, so we, we went up to February. We skipped a little bit ahead to things that are going on now. But right. um, March comes, along with it, COVID. So tell me what has Chazak been doing during this time? Obviously, there's no get-together. There's no after-school programming in person. There's no in-schooling in person either. Um, right. But how does this change what Chazak has been able to do over the last seven months? So, uh, great question. So, COVID obviously hit everyone very hard. We actually had a lot of, lot of losses, unfortunately. A lot of very holy rabbis and community leaders. Uh, my rabbi, Rabbi Aaron Walken, our Rosh Hashiva, we have a base medrash in the Kailu that we started with the Rosh Hashiva four or five years ago. Uh, we lost due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and our slogan is, and the rabbi would always tell us this, is, is, is that we got to continue strong. And, uh, and, and COVID hit us hard, but we're going to continue stronger. We're going to make Chazak stronger in Metz Hashem. Chazak, for all those that might not know, uh, means strong, strength. So we're going to continue strong. So what do we do during COVID? So uh, we didn't stop. That's one thing. That's for sure. Uh, we actually increased our program. How? Our shirm went virtual. Thanks to our partners at Torah Anytime. Uh, we had every night Izzo minimum thousands, thousands, thousands of people all across the world tuning into our programs, our share, our events to be inspired by world-renowned speakers from all over the world. Now, listen, we always organized share and we had hundreds of people in the room. It was amazing. But once COVID hit, every every share, and this is continuing to happen as we speak right now, there's share going on, Baruch Hashem, virtually, three, four of them. Hmm. So, 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 so that's the sheer aspect. The after-school programs, Sunday school programs, teens division programs didn't stop thanks to Zoom. I never knew what Zoom was up until COVID, but the Zoom sessions were nonstop, and the kids would actually log in, which is very, very uh, amazing. Why? Because usually the kids would come for social reasons, or they'll come because of food, but they came l'shem shemaim l'shma to learn and to grow and to be inspired. So that is an amazing, amazing thing. I'll add one thing to that because they were just coming from maybe four or five hours of Zoom school and to just then do another Zoom session after that. You're saying good. That's right. So that's very impressive. I know Mike, I had a a kindergartner last year and she was done with Zoom after a half an hour. Zoomed out, yeah. Yeah. My kids also. Exactly. So after a five-hour high school uh, zoom classes then then to, to then go and not socialize with your friends but just still go onto those serum is is phenomenal it is phenomenal and on top of it all our yeshiva placement division rabbi Fryman is staff unbelievable we're placing kids to yeshivas 
all over the country, by the way, all over America. We have cases in Arizona and in Florida and Atlanta and, and in Canada and obviously in New York. And uh, they were rocking, rocking and rolling full force remotely. They had Zoom, Zoom meetings with the parents. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we, we were just continuing, continuing, continuing. And, uh, and now that uh, we hope, Himmet Hashem, we pray that COVID is going to be behind us and we shouldn't know of a second wave, which unfortunately many people are talking about. Uh, we we look forward to to uh, restarting the in-person sessions uh, and uh, and to continue inspiring people. But one thing that we learned from COVID is that even if we do in-person sessions and shuls and shirim and stuff, we're gonna always have that virtual live uh, stream. Oh, that's terrific! That, yeah, yeah that's, that that's something that we were always hesitant, thinking twice about. But uh, COVID taught us that full force. We have a massive following in the UK. We have a following in France. We have a following in all these weird countries that even know how to pronounce their names. I, I will also like tell you, as a young parent, can't always get out at night to go to the shirim. And sure. if I know that they are being broadcast live while I'm there, much more likely to, to attend one of them, especially if it's somebody that I'm more likely to go see, a Rabbi Friend, a Rabbi Orlovsky. Um, also, now that you don't have to necessarily fly a lot of these people in or things like that, that like might help you with the, with, with the cost as well. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That part was amazing. No, a lot of them were home. They're quarantined. They wanted to give their Torah and inspiration. So yeah, that was a great part of, uh, I'm saying, I don't know if you could say that uh, any aspect of COVID is great. It was just so many losses, but Right. At the end of the day, uh, you know, we have to, in Judaism, everything we do in life, we have to constantly look at ways to grow and to inspire ourselves to become better people. So there's no question. There's a lot of lessons from COVID. The fact that all the schools around the world were closed. It's, 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 it's so sad. I had people reach out to me, you know, their, their, their relatives passed away. They want, they want someone to say Kaddish. So I called I have a lot of contacts, Baruch Hashem. All over the world, I called everyone and, and no one had a minion. Mm. So, so, so that, that, that was a pretty scary thought. And, uh, and now that we do have Armini on him, you know, how are we treating the shul? It's been a discussion that we have, we have a series every Thursday, risk and reward, the risk of talking in shul and the reward of not talking in shul. Like amazing programming that are instilling, inspiring people, uh, the importance of Kedusha's basic the to honor the, 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 the shuls. And we also had a, turn off your phone event uh, by having speakers speak about the importance of not having a phone when you walk into the shul and things like that. Well, I will tell you that since shuls have opened up, since Minyanim, I, 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 my, my, in my neighborhood, we started davening in backyard Minyanim. You're uh, still in the backyard? No, no, no. In my, in my neighborhood, we started, started in about May, davening in backyard Minyanim. But one thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure a lot of people also out there have noticed that talking is down. Baruch Hashem. Because, well, Baruch Hashem, boy, the fact that you can't sit next to the, your friend. Social distancing. Social it. distancing is also helping with the, with, with the, with the volume in, in shul. I will also comment on one thing you said before. Back when COVID first uh, was a thing, between Purim and Pesach, we had uh, Rabbi Sadiq from uh, Hank yeah, Elementary School know, on. Know, yeah. And Jack happens to be my daughter's principal. Um, yeah. But we had him on, and we were going through some of the changes that were going to be facing a lot of schools, uh, in particular his schools, but in schools in general. And he had mentioned that he thought that at some point we were going to switch on an educational level to a more reliance on technology. He said, so if you're looking for like a, a silver lining from COVID, it kind of pushed us to adapt to that faster than maybe we were anticipating 
But now that we have this knowledge, we're prepared for these types of things in the future. And he said, these are things that we could adopt later on. Sick days, if kids can't come into school, if they're well enough to learn, but they're not well enough to be there and they, they might, forget COVID, they have, they, have a, they have a cold, they have a fever. Uh, they might be well enough to learn, but not well enough to be with other kids. This might be an option for them so they don't miss lessons so that they're not just sitting home and doing nothing all day. So there's always a silver lining. And I guess with you guys, you learned that a live streaming sheer can be seen by not only the people that are in front of the speaker, but also by a lot of other people. You learn things about your after school programs. You learn things about all of the things that you're running you kind of forced there by COVID. So there is always yeah. that silver lining. One, one thing that the world learned is that you could work from anywhere in the world. Right. So that's actually one of my office's things that they learned. And now they're kind of restructuring how that's working. But yes, offices learned that. The business world learned that. I have a lot of my friends moving to Israel now because they always wanted to be in their area to Kodesh in, in the Holy Land. And they couldn't do it because of their work. But now their work is offering remote to work remotely. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And yeah, so. That's good. My, my, my neighbor down the block over here is moving right now. As that's, we speak. that's amazing. Yep. So let me ask you a little bit about the financial hit that COVID has, hit, has taken on Chazak. I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, so COVID hit, uh, I don't want to say everyone because I heard that the stock market is doing well. Is that true? Would you that know? is true, yes. It's, okay, it's fine. back up almost to where it was in February. Oh, wow. So, so COVID hit a lot of people hard. So our main donors, uh, at least our board of directors, are involved with real estate development and uh, jewelry. And, uh, you know, the jewelers told me, listen, jewelry, uh, when, when, when a person doesn't have money to put the food on the table and he has an option between bread or a piece of cake, you don't go to the bakery for for cake you go you go to get bread and uh and no one's going to get the jewelry right now and with regards to developers and real estate guys the the tenants aren't paying rent right and uh and many uh, stores are unfortunately uh closing up shop so so they really got hit hard and a, a lot of non-for-profits got hit hard especially chazak but like i said in the beginning of the show we have to keep chazak strong so i actually have been very busy trying to reach out to family, friends, neighbors, everyone, anyone I know, and ask them if they could some way, somehow get involved. And Chaz uh, Hashem Izzo, we have a group of matchers. You know, every year we actually start our fundraising in March. March is when we start our parliament meetings. We have a parliament meeting in Forest Hills and in, in, in different communities and stuff. And everything, everything stopped because of COVID. Everything, obviously, because of, uh, you know, in person, you can do stuff. So uh, so that was a big challenge. And that funding would be used towards a match for a charity campaign, which every year we did about May or June time. So uh, it's already September. <laughs> we haven't done the campaign, but we're going to jump in head first. Nachshon Benami Nadav style. He jumped into uh, the, the, for the splitting of the sea. And, uh, and we're going to be having this campaign. We do have a group of matchers. In the past, we did one to four match or one to three match. Because of lack of matching, we're going to do a one to two match. And uh, and uh, we hope and pray that uh, this campaign, which we're going to hopefully do very, very soon, either before Rosh Hashanah, before Yom Kippur, hopefully, uh, if everything works out, uh, the community will step in. And what's great about these campaigns, these crowdfunding campaigns, these charity campaigns, is that it's a small dollars that add up. Right. The 18 becomes 36 and you have hundreds of them, thousands of them. Last year we had 2,300 donors. 
Baruch Hashem. That means 2,300 people went out of their way to give something to Chazak. So we hope uh, that everyone from the previous years will give something and we could expand our network. And we're calling people to be ambassadors. Uh, if you've ever seen these campaigns, the way it works is that you have a team page and you encourage everyone you know to donate something on the page. If you have 30 friends that give $36, you know, that's, that's a lot of money. It adds up. So uh, that's the vision. That's the goal right now, to get everyone to be part of this massive revolution. You know, if you go to any other community, where do you have an opportunity to save, literally save a neshama, a soul, forever? You know, unfortunately, if we don't get them now, many of them are going to assimilate it into, in, in, into Mary, and who knows what's going to be. If we have an opportunity right now to bring them in, to give them some chizik inspiration, and many of these boys, Izzo, you won't even recognize them. You'll be like, what, that kid went to public school? He looks more from than me. Keeps Shabbat, Torah, Mitzvot, and they keep it with such a passion. It's amazing. It gives, it gives everyone a chizuk inspiration. For me personally, it's not that hard to look more from than me. But yes, I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let me ask you this. Sure. You mentioned that not just you, but a lot of organizations, a lot of not-for-profit organizations are hurting these days. If a, and, and not just not-for-profit organizations, private businesses the shuls the yeshivas everybody individuals are also hurting these days so let's say there's somebody out there listening and they say listen i have x amount of dollars to give to tzedakah why should i give it to chazak over any other organization that that i might want to help fund great question uh we had the schus the honor the merit to have a lot of gedolais some of the largest, biggest rabbis of our generation come and visit our headquarters uh, and, and see the operation and see the work that Chazak is involved with. Baruch Hashem, our Rabbanim, uh, inv- many Rabbanim are involved with the cause on a daily and consistent basis. Uh, we had the Schuz of Avon Shmuel Kamenetsky, Shlita, Rav Kilkal, Rav Richem Olshin, we had Rav Kaladetsky, Rav Chaim Kinevsky's son-in-law, we've had Rav David Yosef, the son of Rav Avad Yosef, uh, very much involved. And many of them basically more or less said that such a cause there, there aren't so many causes like this that you have with a few dollars you could save in a shama, a soul. And keep in mind that every child that you save, all the mitzvot, all the tefillin and tzitzis and kosher and Shabbos that he keeps, is it, is, is, it's a pyramid effect. You get all the, you know. You had a hand in all of those. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's an amazing opportunity. And uh, and and we're doing uh, we're doing this holy work, and we know what we're doing. We have the recipe, the secret recipe. We just need to get more ingredients, and just copy and paste it, and we'll be able to save all ten thousand holy neshamas. And I have no question that if we if 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 the communities come together, unite, we could save this whole tribe, a whole shavit of Kalal Yisraeli's Bukhari Shayyidim, the Bukharian community. Uh, unfortunately, there's not only Bukharian community, there's also the Georgian and the Persian and, and Israelis. There's a lot of people that we could go out and save. We just need more manpower. We need more boosts. And uh, again, it, 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 Chazak, what, what makes it stick out is the fact that these are traditional families. These are people that are not against Judaism. Like I said before, it's just that they don't know any better. You have to just reach out to them. You hold their hands like we do with our yeshiva placement division, PSTY public school yeshiva division, and and we'll see the we'll see the numbers. We'll see the the, the amazing accomplishments. We've mentioned all of the great work that Chazak does, um, and how you've built it up over the years. Is there anything that Chazak in the future is looking to expand and maybe open up new branches and do more things? 
that we yeah, can look forward sure. to. Definitely. So, so first of all, we're always looking to spread the light. We're always looking to do more sure, more events, more chizuk. So uh, we're open to, and I made this announcement before in our various different platforms, Chazak is ready, willing, and able to organize and to help organize shir in every Jewish community in the world. Everywhere and anywhere. All you have to do is reach out to us. We call it the Chazak custom-made event. You choose the speaker, you choose the topic, you choose the crowd, you choose the, the everything, anything you want. We'll put it together. You know, many people are like, oh, it probably cost an arm and a leg. No, we have our abundant, we have rabbis, we have speakers, we have people that want to inspire people. And many of them are willing to do it, that's right, for zero, just to inspire people. So that's one, that we want everyone to get involved with the shirim, the chizuk aspect of things. Uh, we Just like we open up a girls' teen lounge right now, we want to open up a boys' teen lounge. We want to open up this type of lounge in every community, not just in Forest Hills. We want to also do uh, programming for after-school programming. We get this all the time for the Furb community. Hmm. Why is it just for the, the kids in public school? How about the kids in yeshivas? We want to, uh, I have a friend. His name is Robbie Newman. God bless him. He's really pushing this very hard. He wants a homework center. I mean, the kids finish yeshiva. They come to the center. Again, food, same atmosphere, cool, chilled out. But at the same time, you help them out. Because he says that a kid that is successful at Tzmatzlech and Yeshiva is not going to go off the derech. If he's successful in life, he's, things are going well. Everything is good and dandy, he'll go on the right path. So a lot of visions, a lot of ideas. We want to build Rabbi Walken's legacies. That's how we want to continue the Bet Midrash and the Kolo. We have an amazing, amazing, you know, we thought we'll never be able to find someone to replace our Rosh Hashiva. But he's davening for us in Shemaim. And we found someone, <laughs> he said someone, I guess, uh, about Hashem, that was, that's basically more or less at the same age. They learned together with what I understand for many, many years and many of the yeshivas together, whether it was in Eretz Yisrael or I think it was Lakewood or Amir, whatever it was, and very similar characteristics. So Hashem, we have Rabbi Micham Mansur, and Bezot Shem, he's going to continue the shirim and the chizuk and inspiration in the base manager of Kailo, but we want to build that as well. Right now, a lot of students can't go to Eretz Yisrael. We're encouraging them to join us, you know, to continue the inspiration. And uh, our food pantry, thanks to Met Council and some government grants, is expanding as well. We have a food pantry I didn't even mention. Uh, we actually have a location off of Main Street that they're getting us. It's a lot of good stuff happening, brother. Yeah. That's, I, I do want to ask on one thing you said, uh, an after-school program for students that are currently in yeshivas. Is that an amazing idea? Yes, that is an amazing idea. But um, I'm curious why you have to have a different location for people, kids in public school and kids in yeshiva? It's a good question. It's something that we would have to discuss her rabbinic board. But uh, I would guess because maybe you're saying good. I was about to answer that maybe there'll be a bad influence from the from the, the kids that are not religious yet. But Maybe there'll be a bad influence from the kids. Yeah. Maybe it'll be a good <laughs> Maybe influence. a good influence the other way, yeah. It's a very good point, Izzo. Uh, if the funding is there... We're going to do it. And that question will be brought up to our rabbis. Yes. Everything, everything Chazak does, we have an amazing relationship with a lot of good daily in our, we have uh, Rabbi Obam, Shlita also very much involved with the organization and many other uh, Rabbanim that are involved with the organization. Hashem, Baruch Hashem. And uh, we'll ask the Shaila. That's I, 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 I'm, I am absolutely okay with you deferring to Das Torah, but from my personal perspective, I've always been a proponent of, of, of getting as much of an exposure to other other Jews and other people as much as possible. So I would love to see an organization that's willing to like integrate uh, those the, the two communities as much as, as possible. I think you guys are set up really well to do that. 
I want you to know that we do Shabbat tones a lot with these uh, public mm. school students, and they go to from communities and they do integrate into the communities very nicely. That's great. And I love seeing the pictures when they send it to me. The our mekarvim, our mechanichim, our rebbeim, our moras, our teachers who give their heart and soul. And they really do get a deserve a big shout out. Too many names to mention, but uh, they, they send me the pictures and you see the kids in in BMG in Lakewood or in 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 in, in all these big yeshivas and stuff. Like, uh, there is an aspect of uh, integrating them, but but it's a very good point you're making, brother. Great. Let's see. So we've come to our segment, Davar uh, Acher, where I give our guests a chance to talk about any topic under the sun that they want to. So Rabbi Merov, I'm going to turn it over to you. Is there anything that you would like to uh, impart on our on our listeners? Okay. You're putting me in a spot of year, but that's fine. <laughs> I'll figure something out. <laughs> okay. Something just popped into my mind. Um, we're right before the high holy days, uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And, uh, I mentioned this last year, I gave a shear in the Jamaica States community and some way, somehow, uh, the video clip of this part of the shear, I spoke for like, let's say a half hour, an hour, whatever it was. They took the two, three minutes of this story and it became viral. Uh, till today I get feedback from it. So, uh, I want to share this story with everyone, with all your listeners. And uh, it's going to tie into everything we've been speaking up until now. So um, the question is, how do we make this upcoming year better than any year we've ever had? How do we make this upcoming five, seven, eight, one year to be the best, best year ever? So there's a mushal, there's a famous story. I heard this from Rabbi Zamir Kohn, who's the head of the Hitabur organization, Eretz Yisrael. Last year at this time, he had a Shabbaton, a retreat. And uh, I had the schuss, the honor to be his English voice, meaning he only speaks Hebrew, so I would translate everything he says from Hebrew to English. And he quoted Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, who's, uh, who's famed for starting the, the, the Muslim movement. And he says that there was a musha, a parable of, a, of an individual that used to work 24-7. He used to work 9 to 5, 5 to 9, workaholic. Uh, Izzo, do you speak Russian by any chance? I do not. not do oh, not. sorry. Niet. Niet. <laughs> so in, in, in Russian, the word for work, do you know what the word for working means? If you want, I have Google Translate here. I can check no, it out. <laughs> I'll tell me. you. I'll tell you. The word for work is robota. Robot. Oh. So basically, he would wake up, he would eat, go to work, go to sleep, wake up, eat, go to work, sleep. He, he was a workaholic. Anyways, besides for being a workaholic, he was very cheap also. Kamtane, as we say in Hebrew. And uh, he would never buy any outside food. He would never order food from uh, the stores. He would always make everything himself, even coffee. He would tell himself, coffee costs a few pennies. Why go to the store and spend a few dollars? What, what, what's the cost? Some milk, some water, some you know, sugar. So, but one day he came back from work. He was exhausted. He was tired. And he told himself, I'm going to spoil myself for once in my life. I'm going to go to the coffee shop. He goes out of his ha house and he's looking around for a coffee shop. He hasn't really looked around for a store because he, he would always do things himself. And he couldn't find one. But then he sees a beautiful five-star hotel. And he tells himself there's for sure a coffee bar in the hotel. So he goes into the hotel and lo and behold, there's a coffee bar over there. And he goes over there and he says, one coffee, please. Sure, no problem. And uh, they tell him that's going to cost you $50. He's like, what? For coffee, $50? They're like, yeah, 
He's like, that's crazy. He's like, forget about the coffee. How about a Danish? Let me get a Danish. That looks good. Oh, that's going to cost you $75. What? He's going crazy. $75 for a piece of Danish, a, a cake. So they're like, he's like, why is it so expensive? So they're like, oh, listen, you're in a five-star hotel. You're not just paying for the coffee and for the Danish. You're paying for the, for the look. Look at the chandelier. Look at the sofa. Look at the carpet. Look at the surrounding. He's like, okay, I'll take it to go. Give me a cheaper, give me a better <laughs> deal. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 Habibi, my friend, this is the price. You like it or not? This, it is what it is. He's like, this is crazy. I'd rather have a headache. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather stay, uh, stay the way I am and, and not spend all my hardworking money on this uh, coffee and dinners. And he's, he makes a U-turn and he's about to leave the hotel. And as he's about to leave the hotel, he sees in the corner of the hotel in the lobby, a bunch of waiters. And what are the waiters doing, Izzo? They're drinking coffee and eating danishes and there's trays of coffee and danishes. And he's going crazy. He's like, what? How in the world are these waiters able to afford such expensive coffee and danishes? And if they're so wealthy that they could afford these danishes and coffees, why are they waiters? And, and he doesn't understand. But he has the guts and he goes to ask one of them, excuse me, sir, hey, could you explain to me what's going on over here? And he's like, I don't you're, how do you, how do you, could you afford such expensive coffee, such expensive danishes? So the waiter laughs at him. He's like, my friend, listen, we work for the boss. We work for the boss of this hotel and we take care of his guests. When you work for the boss and you take care of his guests, you could eat and drink as much as you want. You could take and do whatever you want, whatever you want, as much coffee as you want, and as much as you want. And that's the nimshal. When we work for the boss, when we work for Hashem, and we take care of his guests, of his children, especially the ones that need help, then we can get and take as much as we want, whatever we want. Abba, our Father in Heaven, wouldn't he give it to us? We're working with him. And, and and that's my uh, my message. I want to leave off to to your to the listeners over here, that everyone should be working for the boss. We should all take this here commitment to help. And there's so many great causes. There's so many amazing things. And I myself am involved in many great causes. Baruch Hashem, I have discussed the honor to be able to. And uh, we have to visit Shem, save these neshamot, these holy souls. And I implore and I encourage everyone to get involved with the Chazak Revolution. You're going to hear, if you haven't heard of Chazak before, you're going to hear a lot more. The organization is growing leaps and bounds with Hashem's help. We're going to go all across the world. And the ultimate goal is to bring the Geula, the final redemption. Amen. Rabbi Yaniv Merov, where can people learn more about Chazak? Where can they go to donate? Where can they find you? Sure. So our website is chazak.org. Let's remind the listeners that it's Chazak with a... Q. That's right. C H E Z Q dot org. That's right. Chazak.org is our website. Our office number is 718-285-9132. That's 718-285-9132. And uh, the website for the campaign, which is live right now, but it's not live. What do I mean? You can go on the website right now. It's called charity.com slash chazak. Charity. Charity. Yeah, exactly. C-H-A-R-I-D-Y. That's right. C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash C-H-A-Z-A-Q. You could go to the website. It's live in the sense that you could pre-donate, but it's not live in the sense that the campaign hasn't started yet. Okay. So, but as I said, we encourage everyone to go on the site. When you pre-donate, it will go on to the day of the campaign where every dollar becomes two. 
That means if you give 100, that becomes 200. You give 1,000, becomes 2,000. If you want to give 10,000 or more, please call me. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you guys have a, a, a pretty strong presence on social media. You have a Twitter, a YouTube, an Instagram, a Facebook account. Yes, People we can do. find all we those have things. Social media uh, individual working uh, on this and video editing and all that good stuff. And uh, we encourage everyone to follow us on all social media platforms, like you said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, Telegram, you name it. And uh, one last thing, I've seen your um, little snippets of Torah on Daily Dose every once in a while. They feature you. Uh, if people want more of your Torah, where can they find you? So uh, me, myself, and I, I have a few share my give here and there, uh, primarily in, uh, over here in the shul around the corner from here. Uh, there are a few shirim of mine on Torah anytime. Uh, and uh, the Chazak YouTube page has a few shirim. And uh, one thing that I like to do is I like to spread other people's Torah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do have a few classes oh. online. And uh, anything we could do to help Kali Yisrael, spread the light and, and to inspire people. And, uh, and again, the ultimate goal is that we do want to go out of business. I always tell that to people. We want to go out of business. Phenomenal. And, uh, and we want the Gula to come and there wouldn't be any tsar, any problems. And, uh, and yeah, we hope for that day very soon. Thank you so much, Rabbi Yaniv Merov. That was a phenomenal way to end off our episode. It um, was a pleasure. I want you to have a Gemara Chazim Tova. You too. And um, we'll speak to you when we speak to you. Yes, looking forward. Amazing. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. My thanks to Rabbi Yaniv Merov for joining me this week. We've now been through about seven months of this pandemic, and we here at the JLP hope you've been doing as well as possible. This is obviously a tough time for the entire world, and you probably have a bunch of organizations asking you for donations. If you have a few dollars you're trying to determine which organization to give to, please consider Chazak. The work they do could help save the spiritual lives of so many individuals. And of course, for everyone out there, as always, call to the Jewish Living Podcast is produced by Sorelli Pikus. Our theme song is The Band by A.B. Rottenberg from Journeys 4. You can email the show at jewishlivingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Jewish underscore living. The Jewish Living Podcast is recorded in conjunction with the Queen's Jewish Link.